This is The Back Pass, a podcast for sports nerds by sports nerds. This week, get excited in anticipation for the start of a brand spanking new EPL season. A new era at United again? Is there a Darwin rising at Liverpool? And our city now prepared to reach the 3 P promised Haaland. Is Tommy Two Shoes at Chelsea heading for the door? There's all so much more to discuss. Let's get cracking. Hello and welcome to the Back Pass. I'm your host Ali Milwala, and with me today, I'm supported by our regular panelists, Gurpreet, Kevin, and Shivank. How are we doing, guys? Yeah, great. Hello. Hello. Ready to bring shade to Arsenal. <laughs> Lads, the new season is here, almost here. How excited are you about the new season and what are you looking for forward to, Shivank? The closing of the transfer window and a transfer ban on FC Barcelona. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, straight in. Straight into yeah. Barcelona. I thought we'd go at least five minutes before we get into Barcelona. Yeah. You give them any longer and they'll steal another player. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel my blood pressure I mean, uh, Ali, I've, I, I've just spent the last uh, hour where I was meant to be prepping for this podcast watching Frankie de Jong videos. So, uh, FC Barcelona, like Siobhan have say, has said, um, they've got our transfer plans in a right old mess. Whatever transfer <laughs> ban they get, I hope it's after we sign Frankie. <laughs> you know what's got me concerned is that Shivank is wearing a Chelsea jersey. I'm afraid midway through this podcast, Barcelona are going to swoop for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, their accounting is, uh, is very creative and we know Shivank can get very creative <laughs> with his editing. So, um, yeah, I... I, I <laughs> Well, uh, see, they're, they're in talks about selling 49% of Barca TV right now. Maybe I can come and make it 51%. <laughs> but, but Shivanka, they might defer your wages. They may pay you less than what we pay you. <laughs> yep, that's right. As your agent, Shivanka, I'm going to suggest that you, <laughs> you hard, hard pass on that. <laughs> so guys, while we're on the topic, let's talk about let's talk about transfers, right? Let's talk about who is your guys uh transfer window winner? Who is the one who's the great bargain buy? Who's the one which team has got the best bargain buy so far? Tottenham, maybe? Yep. Wies Basuma for 30 million is an absolute bargain when you consider how talented that kid is. And mm. the fact that nobody else came in for him. Absolute steal. I honestly don't know how no other club decide, who needed a midfielder is like, yeah, we're going to pass on Basuma. Yeah, they also got Ivan Perisic as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Perisic as well. They've signed six players, Tottenham, and they've all been reasonably good quality. Another another name yep. to throw out there, uh, Tyrell Malassia. Whatever we've seen of him mm. in preseason modern fullback for 12 million 
it's looking like a very smart buy. We could be sat here in a year's time going, why weren't more clubs in for Malaysia? Uh, I, I think there's already calls amongst the United fan base that he should be starting this coming weekend. I, I think it's going to be sooner rather than later before he pushes Luke Shaw out. Ooh, that's some big words. Some some good, some great names as well. I think there's some really good um, players that have snuck under the radar. There's obviously some been some really big names that have attracted a lot of attention. I think Mark Rocker as well um, has gone under the radar. He's mm-hmm. he's a talented player. He can obviously brings a lot. Um, and I think Leeds are Leeds are in for a good player there. They've got a good one in their books. Um, so. Now that we talk about like surprise, all right? Who do you guys reckon is going to be the most disappointing transfer story of the season? Eric Ten Hag. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's a burn, mate. <laughs> that that is a burn. <laughs> Harsh man. Well, um, to be honest, for the last seven weeks, the only thing I've seen on our group chat is United stuff. Every single transfer rumor, every single blade of grass that's been cut. So honestly, if Eric Ten Hag is the biggest disappointment, nothing would be more satisfying for me. <laughs> just so that you guys can shut up on the chat. <laughs> I, I mean, I was going to say uh, Raheem Sterling, the money that Chelsea have paid for him. He's he's my pick for being the biggest disappointment. We've had bigger disappointments in the past. Race yeah, uh, this is true. <laughs> I was I was going to say Chelsea definitely don't have a track record for spending fifty million on a player and being a complete disappointment. Hey, this time we spent less than that. So <laughs> if he's a smaller disappointment than Fernando, we're still winning. <laughs> no, but uh, j- just to ensure, it's not just a it's not just a Chelsea fan base that I that I piss off. Um, I, I think Darwin Nunez is going to be a it's going to be a major flop. Ooh. Yeah, okay. Ooh, that is an interesting point. That's a big call. I said it. I said it. I've got oh, I got a couple a of teams big call. A couple of teams that I think hmm. are going to end up, in my opinion, potentially fighting in that bottom five bracket. Uh, one is Brentford because I don't think they've done enough. Second is Leeds because I just don't feel good about them at the moment, even with that (laughs) semi-decent signing. The other one I'll throw into the mix, Kevin, is Everton. Yeah, but they're at least not much of a surprise, though. Kind of, (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a point. (laughs) I mean, yeah, they are trying, but (laughs) Shivank, you're you're obviously talking from experience there, right? Um, Frank Lampard leaving. Leaving a blue club in a mess. <laughs> hey, we won the Champions League right Champions after that. So what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Lampard set them up. Like so Everton's <laughs> next for Champions League winners, guys. And I, we headed here first. 2022-2023. Everton do win the Champions League. They'll, they'll qualify. And then, you know, he'll go halfway through the season. Somebody else will come in. And there you go. There's Everton's Champions League. <laughs> and why would Merseyside be a fun city that day? <laughs> I do think uh, I do think Kevin's right on, and, and I laugh while I say this, but Leeds, uh, I I genuinely think having lost Rafinha to FC Barcelona, Patrick Bamford struggling with injury, I I just don't see where the goals are going to come from. Uh, and goodness and me, and Calvin Phillips as well, and, and Calvin, Calvin Phillips, Phillips. It, it, that's the biggest loss. If, big hole. If they're relying on Dan James for uh, for twenty five goals, uh, 
that just ain't happening. <laughs> well, actually, there's there's another club that's rather interesting this window, um, Leicester City. Yeah, yep. I think they've forgotten there's a transfer window going on. Yeah, they're just completely or, ignoring it, or they um, think that their team's good enough. They might think that, you know, you know. <laughs> Well, they haven't really sold anyone or bought anyone, which is which is kind of cool. Like they just like, nope, not doing any business. We're happy. Leave us, leave us alone. Yep, basically zero business. <laughs> it was a forty million bid for uh, Madison last night, rejected from Newcastle. So it's it's Newcastle. quite it's quite a quite a I guess quite a smart move from Newcastle going for going for James Madison, but um, mm. Leicester mm. seemed to be. It's very likely they're going to lose Telemann, so it seems like they don't want to lose both. But it's very much a case of not wanting to lose players rather than signing players. So valid concerns. Mm. Word has it that they're also riddled with debt and yep. they've decided not to go the Barcelona way. <laughs> but, okay, so question for everyone based on that. Does Brendan Rogers come into the sack race? Because you can't basically stay still in the Premier League. Everyone moves at lightning pace. Yeah. Yeah, I think he The does. sack race is interesting. I think Brendan Rodgers is definitely in the... He's definitely in the race. I'm sure the bookies have some good odds on him. Um, you, it, I mean, even if he is just a, his own personal frustration at not being able to advance the club, um, let alone the club firing him, he might just decide to walk away if things are not... If he knows it's just going to go down downhill from here. I think one of the things working in his favor, though, is the World Cup midway through the Premiership season. We we know Jamie Vardy is still absolutely pivotal to the way they play. With with Vardy getting a good break halfway through the season, there's probably a player there that will get them close to 20 goal, uh, goal involvements. You've got James Madison... There's probably enough goals to keep them clear of the relegation race. Whether that's what their ambitions are, uh, I know a couple of seasons ago they uh, they were odds on to make the top four, and they've they actually missed out twice. I, I don't see them getting anywhere near the top six, to be honest. And uh, yeah, that may be that may be the push for for Brendan Rodgers. So I think we've spoken about. Yeah, I think we've spoken about like Lampard, Merch, um, Rogers. But if you want a spanner in the works, if you were following the rumor mill for the last couple of months, Conte to PSG mid-season. Thoughts? Even though he rejected it, he did deny it. But something like that happening is not completely, you know, especially with the World Cup break. Who's currently at PSG? Uh, they just they sacked Pochettino and got Gaultier instead. They sacked Leonardo and got uh, Luis Campos as sporting director. So yeah, it's a brand new system. So you mean you mean you mean Mbappe's coach? <laughs> Unofficially, he's he's the one. <laughs> that that that's that's the key reason why I don't see Conte to PSG happening I'm, I'm sorry Kevin Conte's too much of a disciplinarian for for Mbappe he's gonna make him do extra laps and Mbappe's just gonna go to the prison and say not having this guy get me someone who's gonna be friendlier 
it's not going to be Antonio. <laughs> Plus, there's also Neymar, lest you forget. Mm. Yeah, Neymar, Messi, Mbappe. Like, good luck to these guys if Conte is your man in charge. Siobhan, go on, um, on, on hot takes about the sack race. And I, for once, this is not tongue-in-cheek, but if we look at everything that's gone on at Chelsea with their targets getting poached by Barcelona and, and uh, Tommy T's record of upsetting the board and making his opinions very clear, do you think there's a, there's a possibility that uh, he, uh, he throws his toys out, out the cot partway through the season? Unlikely. And I'll say unlikely for a couple of reasons. The first reason is there's no more Roman Abramovich, so we have no idea if the new ownership is trigger-happy or not, and therefore it's hard to say. And the other one is all the transfer business that's happening right now is with Thomas Tuchel at the heart of it. So it's not like the previous regime where the manager would say, I want a player who can play this way, and then the technical director and club would figure out, okay, these are the five players that fit, these are lying with our budget, bring XYZ over. Now, Thomas Tuchel's basically running the show just like Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool, like Pep Guardiola at City. He's like, I want player XYZ subject to Barcelona's interference. <laughs> so you're on to target number seven, eight, and nine now for, for those positions. <laughs> basically, basically, if you look at the... <laughs> If you look at all the centre-backs we've targeted, it's basically like, yeah, let's start with Jules Kunde. Let's start with Matthias Delict. And, you know, we're just going down the pecking order. <laughs> I'm glad we got Koulibaly. At least we have somebody who can play on the left as a starter. We still need somebody who can play in the middle of a back three. Uh, other than Thiago Silva. Phil Jones. <laughs> middle of the back three, not middle of the bench. Jeez, you'd be lucky to even make yeah, the bench. He's on the back bench. He's probably yeah. <laughs> if he can't make the United bench, yeah. I meant combox bench. <laughs> well, considering we're talking about um, we're we're talking about Chelsea and how they're going to go this season, like where do we see the Champions League race at? Now, who who do we have? One, two, three, four. Not no particular order. Kevin, who are your top four? Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham. And then it's a it, it really depends on if we get FDJ FDJ, you know, and what that battle looks like with Chelsea and Arsenal as well. So um that's where I see it. Um I like what Man City has done, even though I feel like they're really thin. So they're probably like one or two injuries injuries away of being probably sitting in third. And um, I'm not convinced uh, Salah and Nunes can play well together. That's my that's my thought Ooh. process, at least of what, what I can see. Ooh. Interesting. Gabriel, what's your top four? Very, very similar to Kevin. Uh, City, obviously, favourites. Uh, Liverpool, I, that's going to be your top two. I, I am, I'm not so sure about Chelsea, uh, and and again, this is not a wind up. Uh, I, I I think having a solid defensive unit is is just so critical to the way Thomas Tuchel plays, and and not having these signings sorted early for for reasons that are well beyond their control, I, I think that may have an impact. Uh, 
I, I do wonder with Chelsea where the goals are going to come from. So I'd probably have Spurs ahead of them uh, because they've got Son and Kane. So like Kevin said, Spurs probably for that third spot. Um, fourth spot, I think it's going to be likely Chelsea, Arsenal, United. And for United, I think it all it all just comes down to whether we can get De Jong sorted. Uh, if we get De Jong over the line, I I think United have a very good chance to to possibly finish as high as third. Without De Jong, we're probably going to struggle to get top five. So I've got a question. Um, just throwing it out there. Assuming that Barcelona pulls a Barcelona and we don't get De Jong, Sangeri, is he two years, three years? Is that what sort of time frame we're looking at for getting to a point where we can get sort of the same thing? Or do you reckon we can get in the same season? I, I, really, I really like the idea. And it's, it, it was very clear this morning. So uh, United losing 1-0 to Atletico Madrid. Uh, especially in the first 20 minutes when, when Atletico were particularly aggressive with their, with their press. You, you could see that um, the likes of um, Scott McTominay and Fred were, were clearly flustered. I think it's obvious United need quality. But I can see Ten Hag's reasoning for 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 going all in with uh, with FTJ. Look, um, th- there simply isn't a player like him in world football that that United could go out and sign. I, I think even if there's a ten percent chance between now and the end of the window, we probably try and maximize that chance and we try and get him in. Um, obviously, uh, there are likely to be backup targets. I, I, I think that is quite a clever one, Kevin, because it's probably not going to cost as much as, say, um, a Ruben Neves. But I I just have a feeling it's going to be right down to the end, the last day of the window, um, the saga is going to rumble on. And I actually think United are going to get it done. Blind optimism. I like that. Shivank, who have you got in your top four? So my top four, we can... I think there's... A good amount of consensus on the top two. Like it's going to be Man City and Liverpool in some order. Um, take your picks. I think uh, Man City still need a left back. They're still trying for Kukuria mm-hmm. from Brighton. Um, Liverpool have done their business early, so they are definitely the more settled squad. But yeah, who's if Nunes is a good replacement for Sadio Mane? I don't know. Coming down to third and fourth. Um, Hey, we never had a striker since Diego Costa left, yet we managed 70-odd goals last year. So I'm not worried about where the goals are coming from. I think as a starting three centre-backs, they're reasonably settled. We've got Koulibaly, Thiago Silva, and take your pick from Trevor Chaloba or Aspilicueta or even Reese James if, the, if we need speed. So I'm not too worried about that. I comfortably can see Chelsea coming third. Unless there's another set of injuries to Ben Chilwell or Reese James, because that's basically what derailed our season last year. And uh, until the time we had these two guys, we were practically top of the league and quite a few points clear of Man City and Liverpool. Um, so mm. I genuinely think we'll still maintain third. And let's not forget, Thomas Tuchel is still the head coach. He's basically been in the Premier League for the last 18 months. He knows how the game works. He knows the oppositions. He's a clever cookie. For me, fourth basically comes down to 
who can basically plug in the right holes in their team. Um, Arsenal needed a Patrick Vieira. They went and bought the wrong Vieira. Um, they've made Odegaard their captain, which I don't know. I'm not convinced. I, I hope he works out, but if he follows like the last nine captains, it, it wouldn't surprise me. Spurs have done their business well, but then, you know, the Spurs can never rule out a mid-season implosion from them. <laughs> but also, Spurs will have the Champions League this year, and whether they have the roster to compete in four competitions throughout, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think you guys already know with United, like, if you sign Frankie de Jong, shoe in for fourth without a shadow of a doubt. Um, if you sign somebody who's capable of scoring 20 goals or Marcia has a season of a lifetime, then yeah, fourth possibly pushing to third. But otherwise, if this is the squad you go in with for the rest of the season, then fourth is going to be hard. And the other thing is Eric Ten Hag is unproven in the Premier League. We have no idea about how adaptable his system is to the rigors of the Premier League because... There's so much tactical variation in the Premier League that you're just not exposed to in the Eredivisie or whatever. And with how far he's gone in Champions League in mm. previous season, he's not come up against so much variety either. He's got a good track record of developing youth and playing a good front foot way of playing football. But again, I don't, to my knowledge, he hasn't actually faced a Klopp or a Guardiola who play expansive football and he hasn't come up against the low block of David Moyes. So largely unproven. And that's why I'm not sure where he's going, where United will finish. Yeah, a p- point really well made, Trevanka. It, the 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 thing with the um, the the Ten Hag philosophy, which has a lot of parallels with um, with Guardiola's system, it's it's not identical. I I, I personally, w- without wanting to get too technical, I, I'd say Ten Hag's philosophy probably isn't as rigid as Guardiola's. But, but like we saw with both Guardiola and Klopp, these are systems that need the right place. And, and that takes time. And, and, mm. and as you said, um, Frankie de Jong is just so critical to the way he wants to play. But even with Frankie, there are, just, there are still a lot of holes on this team, right? So possibly, possibly a Ronaldo-sized hole, depending on how that saga unfolds. Um, and, and you're right. I, I, I think this is going to be a transformative season for United. Whether it's going to be enough to get us into the top four, we don't know. Um, your, your point on, um, on on Spurs being in the Champions League, uh, something that was very observable last year with Spurs was um, when, when the fixture schedule was crammed up and, and they were playing every three days, it was very obvious that they just weren't backing up. So they'd, they'd have a brilliant game. You know, they'd, they'd go to a Man City and, and absolutely turn it on. And then three days later, they'd go to a mid-table team and, and absolutely flop out, which is why I think they kept both United and Arsenal in that top four race for so long because they were probably the most consistent of an inconsistent bunch. And being yeah. in the Champions League and being so reliant still on Kane and Son I think there's room for an implosion here. Mm. Uh, you know, we, uh, yeah, we we shouldn't. Um, we we can never rule that out with Conte and Spurs. Yeah, and look, um, let's not forget COVID is still a thing. That's, Players, that's coaches, really. managers—they're still contracting COVID, and you know yep. they're um, missing out on some amount of time. So that affects 
plan, um, your training, your planning, and your tactics for the next game just as much. So, like these factors will all come into play, and whatever we're saying now may not be true in thirty eight, thirty nine weeks time because COVID is the grand unknown over here. Despite it being going on for two years, we just don't know how it affects teams <laughs> or fixture yeah. cancellations or whatever. Now, just a quick note. Absolutely. So we're saying the Spurs won the transfer window and they're also going to have a mid- mid-season explosion, implosion? Because it's Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, to, to be fair, to be fair, I think Spurs were your winners for the transfer window. Okay, I still fine, think fine. Liverpool have had the best transfer window. Yeah. I, but see, this is where we, we differ. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think the transfer window is done. I, I, I think there is, uh, you know, the window doesn't close till the 1st of September. We've still got, uh, these sagas have, have ways to run still, right? Uh, I, I, I think Liverpool, um, like Siobhan <laughs> say, says, I, I think their advantage is that their business is largely done. They're going to have a settled squad. Uh, they'll have those combinations bidding in. See what everyone everyone else doesn't realize is that Grupi's actually a huge Bon Jovi fan, and he's just living on a prayer. Yep. <laughs> Look, uh, you know that midfield needs more than a prayer. <laughs> but, but FDJ it will be FDJ. Quite nice. I mean, I'm, I I will say I, I will say that um, Man City's business is looking very. I I actually feel if they get Mark Kukurea done, I I think it's City that end up winning. City end up yeah. winning this one, don't yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Haaland, yeah. Phillips, and Kukurea, and and Alvarez. You know, let's not forget. Um, and Sun- let's not forget Julian Alvarez. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Uh, so th- this is a yeah. this is a team. A- and again, um, we saw Jack Grealish mention last year that one of the reasons he struggled was because they were playing with a false nine so often. He's he's just so used to playing with a more traditional centre forward. I think one of the big advantages of signing a player like Haaland is going to be getting more out of the likes of Mares and um, and Grealish. So I think the the effect that some of these mm. signings are going to have on on some of their other more expensive assets, uh, I mm. actually think City very easily have won this window, uh, regardless of who United sign. And that's the interesting part, like watching Haaland and I guess watching the Community Shield it was a little evident that the rest of the city players didn't know how to play with Haaland or they weren't, they were expecting to be more dynamic up front where Haaland's like, I'm going to occupy the space in the middle of the middle of the about six yard, about the six yard box and be in and around that space and be about that width. And I'm not going wider. And then everyone else kind of has to go around that, um, which is interesting. So that's obviously a change, the dynamic for Man City that, Pep has to kind of get, get the team working together. Um, the other observation was that Nunes seems to be fitting well into the Liverpool system because he played quite a bit like Bobby Firmino. And he was putting himself about. He was he showed a lot of energy and a lot of just getting himself in the right spot constantly. And then also then having to be able to be just taller, stronger, um, and being able to, you know, get a bit more weight behind some of the, um, some of the go for, go for. Uh, Ali, what you've described is what I think will essentially decide the title race. Shavank made the point earlier that is mm. Nunez the right type of centre forward to be playing with Mo Salah? 
how is that Liverpool front three going to shape up without Mane? Uh, Diaz, we know, has hit the ground running, but that combination of Diaz, Nunes and Salah versus a new dynamic at, at City with a, with a more traditional number nine, how does he fit in with their more creative midfielders? It's going to be really very interesting. And I think essentially the title race comes down to which of those two get their get their combinations clicking. I I just have a feeling that with City, you've just got something that is such a world oil machine. Guardiola knows how to come up with these. He knows how to come up with solutions more than more so than Klopp. Um, not not by a large margin. Um, Klopp, Klopp is equally brilliant. Uh, we, we know that they did a lot of work in, in scouting Nunes, but I, I just have a feeling it's going to be, it's more likely to be a case of possibly that Nunes-Salah combination being taking a little longer to sort out than um, fitting Haaland in that Man City. Let's not forget they have Diogo Jota as well who's just as brilliant. He flies under the radar, but man, he's critical. But I I think, again, it was uh, in the conference uh, before the Community Shield where it looks like a hamstring injury that's going to keep him out at the start of the season. And and with Jota, Mm -hmm. I would say it's kind of getting to a point where perhaps they went in so hard on Nunes because there are injury concerns. You know, he was very inconsistent last year. When he played, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, but he was great we're not him. not fitness yeah. levels aren't Mane or, or Salah like. So mm. uh, yeah, uh, you're right though, brilliant player, but but can he keep himself fit? Can he keep him? Yeah. So there is there is a front three that have worked, spent some time together, and have a combination that works of uh, Rashford, Martial, and Sancho. Uh, technically, Martial wasn't there last year. <laughs> He was. He was at United the whole time. He never left. Was he trying to convey? That's exactly how much impact he had in the first six months. That we yeah, didn't so, even realize so he was gone for the next six up. months. <laughs> yeah. But again, with that front three, where's the goals coming from? Valid. Valid. Yeah. Well... It's a it's a valid question. I think I think they've both they've all all three matured. They're all three still young. Um, it'll be an interesting it'll it'll be interesting if they get the service right out of midfield and they get that press working together and stuff. Um, I think they could match the goal output of Liverpool, just like a few seasons ago when um, Rashford, Martial, and Greenwood had the say had more goals than Mane, Salah, and Firmino. I was half expecting um, you to say the front three of Chelsea, but man, you've set yourself a high bar by saying the front three of Liverpool. Because <laughs> those three themselves are like 60 goals yeah. out of 90 goals. No, but they did outscore them. They they actually outscored them yeah, um, in, a couple in, seasons uh, ago. Shivank, uh, uh, yeah, fellow United brother, Ali, uh, going to jump to your defense. Uh, the, the, the three that you've named, uh, Rashford, Martial, and, and particularly Sancho, I, I think these are players that, A, they are confidence players. When they are confident, when they feel like they're fit and they're supported, uh, I, I think they're they're very different players to what we saw last year. Uh, I think a lot of people, are, in particular, a lot of United fans are just writing Rashford off on the basis of last season. He, he had quite a tough Euros with that penalty miss. 
he has been carrying injuries. Um, and, and there mm. have been a number of tier one journalists that have said that Rashford more than any other forward was just so confused with United constantly playing different systems. I think we're going to see a different Marcus Rashford. I think we're going to see a confident Anthony Martial. Exciting front three. Watch out. So we've talked a bit about the top. What about the bottom? Who's going down? Who's the bottom five? Shivan? In in no particular order, I've got <laughs> I've got Everton, Leeds, Bournemouth, uh, who's the other team that's come up? Fulham. 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 Yeah, these are the four out of my five. I genuinely feel Nottingham Forest will stay up. Um, some of their transfer business has been pretty good. Like, pretty good. You're a Jesse Lingard. You're a Jay Ling's fan, Shivank. Oh, no, no. I was going to get to Lingard later. But completing the <laughs> bottom five for me is Southampton. Oh, wow. Identical. Okay. okay. Yeah, mine's identical. The only thing I'd say is um, I'd check... Brentford and Leeds Ooh, and Nottingham identical. sort of in that same group. I don't think they'll be fighting, but I think they'll be mid-table-ish. And I really like what Nottingham's done. Yep. Really. They've actually spent money, Ooh, okay. which is the complete opposite of Wolverhampton, who have done okay. nothing of any use <laughs> <laughs> at all. Yeah. <laughs> Good brief. Uh, same, same bottom five as Shavank. I've, I've got... Uh, I've got Bournemouth and Fulham as the bottom two. Yeah, major concerns for Everton. Uh, again, uh, you know I'm going to rile up the whole of Mersey side, but uh, it, it, it's less so with their squad, but more a squad with players that doesn't quite fit the way Lampard wants to play. I, I actually think uh, their best chance of staying is Lampard winning the sack race, and then uh, we've we've mentioned. Oh, Sean Dyche, right. And then getting Sam Allardyce in again. Dunk. Duncan Ferguson, <laughs> he's been the saviour twice. That, that's right. And I mean, we can we can yes. laugh about it, but with a squad like the one they've got, that I think that's the level they're at. That They, they can't play open, attacking, flowing football because they're just, they're, they don't have the defensive organisation. I, I think they need to have a season or two maybe of mm. just becoming a solid mid-table side again. Major concerns about them. Uh, Southampton, their form fell off a cliff towards the end of last season. And and like Shivank said, is that going to carry yep. on to the start yep. of this season and just become a, a snowball? And, and uh, we, we, we covered Leeds, but um, without Rafinha, I, I just don't know where the goals are going to come from. So the same bottom five as Shivank. I heard stories that Ralph um, Hussenhautel uh, Husen is still looking for that um, Southampton form after it fell off the cliff. He still hasn't found <laughs> the wreckage. To no one's surprise. And you know what won't surprise me even more is another nine nil. It's another nine nil. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's become an annual thing. Oh god! <laughs> yeah. But yeah. the nine nil probably it, ends right? up saving them it. and not <laughs> they're relegated. This is it. That nine nil is a rallying call. <laughs> just get forty points. Just save another season, and then we'll start again. <laughs> But no, all said and done, the actual race that I'm more interested in, because the top two is practically boring, is 8, 9, and 10. West Ham, Aston Villa, and... Wolves. Uh, Wolves. Newcastle. Palace. Palace. Palace, Palace actually. Palace was the team. Palace, I mean, Newcastle? Mine. Palace have a good good squad. They've been playing well. They've been yeah. They've been showing so promise. It's 8, 9, 10 that I'm more interested in. And you can... 
Yeah. And you can even throw in Leicester for good measure because we know we expect them to come down because of a lack of transfer business. But for these three spots or the last conference league spot, you've basically got some really, really good teams who on their day can actually put up a good fight against Man City and Liverpool. I, so, I can see Arsenal getting dragged into mm, that top eight race. One thing I'll say about <laughs> one thing I'll say about Palace um, to me, like from from just a uh, like a team perspective, the only thing they need is right back, which you know to be competitive at that mid sort of table that 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 chunk of the competition um, might be a bit of a struggle. But outside of that, they've done really well, really well. Can they ring up United for a former player? <laughs> yes, I, 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 yeah, I know no. of a fifty million pound right back that. that we bought from them that we could give right back to them. <laughs> it's like Wilfred Zaha Part Two. <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. I'm serious though. Uh, if if you're not if there is a deal to be done for Aaron Wan Bissaka, <laughs> and we can use some of that money to go and get Denzel Dumfries, I I, I actually think United are going to have. A, 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 if we get FDJ done, we hold on to Ronaldo, and we can get a right back. That's a brilliant window for United. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Thank you to our panel for their thoughts and opinions on the upcoming EPL season. If you want to get sports dirty with the team, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the Backpass Pod. We'll be back next week for more sports analysis and banter right here on The Back Pass.